Today's message is called The Foundation of the Lord. This is message eight in our uh, series, um, The Foundation of the Lord. And our message today is our final victory. Our final victory. That means, really, the consummation of our victory. It will have been consummated. It, it will be complete. It will be thorough, lacking absolutely nothing. Um, and so I want us to really get a hold of this today. I want us to internalize every word that's spoken, every word that's spoken, internalize it, and trust the Lord. God has assured us, he has assured us of, of great victory. And uh, this great victory is coming to pass. It is coming to pass. He has assured us of great victory. And our victory, our victory present and future, uh, our victory present and final is based on and comes out of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation, and, and that we have the foundation that's unshakable, that's immovable, and that everything and everyone who has owned that foundation will remain, no matter how severe the storms of life are, it will remain. And our, our foundation, Isaiah tells us, Isaiah says it's a tried a stone. Our foundation is a tried stone, it's a tried foundation. That means it's been tested, and there's no way that anybody can cause it to crack or to lose anyone uh, built upon that foundation. It's an impossibility. And so he also calls uh, Christ, in this regard, a precious cornerstone. He, he is the, the angular stone that holds us all together, that holds the building, the temple of God, the house of God, the church of God. He holds us together to where really we are an unshakable entity. We are an immovable entity. We are an indestructible entity. And we have to understand that. So I would like for us to really understand what we are. We're not like, you know, come to church, as, as the analogy we've often used in, our, in, church, uh, in the church world, uh, we come and get our tank full so we can go back and get an empty and cut it full again. We, we're even better than that. that. That's an okay analogy, but it's not the best analogy because we are built to last. We are an indestructible entity. And there's no way that the enemy, with all of the, the grief that he sometimes causes us, there's no way he can stop us. He doesn't have, what uh, in football uh, terminology, he doesn't have a prevent defense. He just has a harassing one. But also the foundation Christ on whom we are built is a sure foundation. It's, it's a sure foundation. Therefore, we can con conclude that the one on whom we... Uh, we are built is the same one uh, that we lay hold of eternal life. So he is the, our eternal life, this amazing Jesus, our solid foundation. <clears throat> Paul writes to Timothy because Timothy is undergoing some things, and I, and I know that there are those of us here who are undergoing some things, some difficulties, and I would like for us to be encouraged as Paul was encouraging Timothy. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, <clears throat> Paul writes, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Now notice what he says, fight the good fight of faith. And what Paul says, what he tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, he is not rather saying, fight the devil. Amen. And I know there are Christians that say, I miss fighting that devil. Well, you're not biblical. 
because you are to fight the good fight of faith, resist the devil. And, and your faith is what deals, deals with the devil because he see, he's reminded of somebody when you are faithful, faithfully holding on to God's promises regardless of what's going on in your life. It frightens him. It's, it scares him. The Bible says resist him and he will flee from you. But you resist him in the faith. That is faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus. And so Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Then he says, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on to eternal life to which you were also called. And confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Listen, these are very, very powerful words that Paul is giving to his son Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which also you were called. And so you see Timothy now, as it were, he is holding on to eternal life. He's holding on to Jesus no matter what's going on in his life. No matter how the elders are acting in Ephesus, doesn't matter how the demonic powers are, are moving in Ephesus, he is holding on to Jesus. He is holding on to his eternal life. Now, he does not hold on through human strength or by human strength. He holds on by the, the strength that is in him, by Christ himself. So Jesus is the supplier of the holding on. He is the supplier of the strength. And he told him, and you have, and, and Timothy have, has confessed or did confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'm reminded when I read this story because Paul is, is, is strengthening Timothy with his words and we can strengthen each other with our words. When I was a young, young lad and even a young adult, I went to a, a church, as a matter of fact, a, a, a wonderful brother here looked at me and said, you were preaching like you were one of those Kojiks. I laughed because I thought, well, I grew up in one of those Kojiks, Kojik guys. But, uh, but anyway, w when we were younger, they taught us to testify. It would be nearly impossible for all of us to testify in here today. But he told Timothy that he had, had uh, confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And, and I was taught in our church that you had to testify. You know, not just give a praise report, but a testimony that says uh, what God had done, who you are in, in the Lord, and what your plans were in God. So you couldn't just, you had to talk about it. And, and I remember some of the testimonies that they are indelibly printed in my, on my heart and engraved there as well. They would say something, mostly the ladies, the, the older sisters, they could really testify. And they would talk about how the Lord had brought them from a mighty long way. And they would talk about how the enemy had tried to stop them and he was unable to do it. And they, and they would just talk about that and say, well, when I had no food, that God put food on my table. You know, and they would talk about that. I mean, it was just amazing and mind-boggling. And they would say, if others don't go with, with the Lord, I'm going to go all the way with the Lord. I won't quit. I won't get tired. I won't be too weary. I will go all the way with the Lord. And then the final day, I will stand there, and I will see what the end is going to be. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. And so I copied them. I did. <laughs> 
I copied them. And so when it's my time to testify, I told about those things. Well, I'm going all the way with God too. And it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do. I'm going to make it. And boy, on those trials, I thought, Lord, I don't know if I'm going all the way. Uh, I, I sure wanted to. And sometimes those trials would be so hard that I would say, God, I told everybody I was going to do it, but I feel like quitting. I don't want everybody to think I was lying. And, and so my testimony helped me. My testimony helped me to stay true. But we don't tell anybody about our relationship with God. We, we don't talk about our relationship with God publicly. We don't say, hey, listen, I love Jesus, and I'm not going to let him down. There are times even now when I think, oh, do I, Lord, the tension is so great. I'm pulled here, and I'm pulled there, and I'm in the middle of the knot. You know, God, help me, Jesus. But because I've said those things, because I have confessed those things, that I say, Lord, I will walk out those things because you are my testimony. It's how faithful you have been. It's what you have done in my life. And so that will keep you when you feel like going home and quitting. Uh, there's a, I hope there's a brother here today who told me he was going to come to 1030. I met him in a, in a restaurant yesterday uh, trying to buy a quesadilla. Not trying, I succeeded. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I met him and he, he saw me, he said, this is God sent me here because I felt like giving up. I felt like giving up. And so we prayed right there in the restaurant, not to be seen, but because it was the only place we had. And we prayed and we prayed. I said, you will not give up. You will succeed because God didn't call you to fail. God called you to succeed. Amen. And, and, and that's, our, that's our calling. And so he says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives all things, who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So he writes this to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy because Timothy is a young pastor, and he is under great stress by the world around him and by sometimes a defection within the church. And he's encouraging him. He says, I urge you in the sight of God, uh, and who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus. He said, Christ Jesus witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. And you ask yourself, what was that like for Jesus who is witnessing the good confession? What does that look like? It means Jesus, this man, this beautiful man who is now pulled before this this man, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, he's governor there. And, and this man now, Jesus knows, is going to give a sentence of execution. And Jesus is standing there. Uh, I'm going to give you a way out. Who are you? Tell me what you've done. I have the power to kill you or not. Jesus looks at him and says, you have no power over me. You have nothing over me unless it's given to you from above. 
that's not just for us to read, but that's for us to look at now. Let's look at life that way, because when those difficulties come, you say, you have no power over me. You have no authority over me, except what is given to you from above. And, and when Pilate says, well, are you a king then? He says, he says, you rightly said it, I'm a king, and my kingdom is not from here. Were it, my, were it from here, my servants would fight. My servant would fight so that those Jewish leaders would not turn me over to you. But now my kingdom is not from here. That was a good confession. What was that comprised of? That good confession says, I am called of God to finish a mission. I'm called to God to die on a cross. I will not shrink back from my calling. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter if it leads me into death. I will not shrink back. And he, he, he confesses the good confession before Pontius Pilate. He was unafraid. I am willing to die for what God called me to. And that's the church that Jesus died for. That is the church that Jesus died for. He didn't die for a church that says, oh, they're trying to hurt us, so let's, let's kill them. He didn't die for that kind of church. He died for a church that says, I have the faith to place myself in your hands. And Jesus, Jesus placed himself in the hands of God the Father, not in his own hands. Are you still with me? And so he, he, he confessed the good confession. He witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. And he tells Timothy to keep this commandment without spot, blameless. And those of us who are here, perhaps we have not kept the commandments of God spotless or blameless. But from today, we can say, I will from this day keep the commandments of God. Whatever he's commanded me to do, I will be spotless. I will be blameless from this day on. Why? Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to understand who you are in him and, and what he has done for you and what he is capable of doing for you. We haven't even experienced all of it yet. And it's already so, so good. And he says that, he is, that when Christ appears, which he will manifest in his own time, when God is ready, Christ will appear. And he says, the only, the blessed and only potentate. I like that word potentate. All powerful ruler. He is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Jesus is called, I mean, the Father is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't worry, I've had to do that too. It's all right, I, I did it too. But it wasn't just talking with me, it, was, it wasn't just, just crying. It was telling me, don't you do this when you go out the door. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, super. Here we go. He says he's the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality. Who alone? So God is the only one who possesses immortality. And he dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. He says, amen, so be it. I ask myself, here's the, this amazing God who lives in unapproachable light. You can't approach it. The light is too uh, uh, bright, too, fire, too much, it's too, it's too fiery. It's too whatever it is, you know, too glorious. Uh, it will consume you. You can't get to that light. 
and you can't even see God, he's so powerful, but there is a vehicle uh, through whom you can approach him. There is a vehicle that, that will allow you to see him. And this vehicle is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who lives in the bosom of the Father, says, if you are in me, I will take you to where no man has gone before. I will take you into the very presence of God the Father. I will take you in what is unapproachable. Now that is the, a promise. That's what we are called to. We are called to that. God has called you to that. He has called you to see him face to face. He has called you to be in his presence, the one that no one can approach nor see. It's amazing. And so, so we find in, in, in this verse, of, uh, 1 Timothy uh, 6.15, talking about the Father being the only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords, you find the same thing uh, said about Jesus uh, in Revelation 17.14. And it says here that these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Now what you find here, Paul tells us, tells Timothy, thus he tells us that, this, that God is going, the Father is going to reveal all of this in his own time. He is going to reveal it in his own time. He is this amazing potentate. He is this amazing ruler. He is the king of kings and lord of lords, the Father is. But now we find in Revelation, he says, the, the enemies of God will make war with the Lamb. I find that so interesting because he says, not there will make war with this lion, but they are making war with a lamb. Now notice this, a lamb should not be able to defeat anything. The ways of God are so much greater than our ways because we, we like to think of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is. But that is his office, yeah? That, that's, his, that's his office, that's his position. As the king, as king, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But in nature and character, he is a lamb. And you have to understand this, to understand your success in life. Your success in life is indisputable. Even the things that you have not gone through yet, I say to you, it is indisputable. You will go through them, you will overcome them, you will be successful. I, I know that. You say, don't say that. I said that. I've already said it. And so they make, the enemies make war with the lamb. But notice what he says here, that they, and the lamb will overcome them. So Jesus does not overcome uh, the, the, the enemies of God by being a ferocious lion. He is a gentle, sweet, and wonderful lamb. And they, in all their venom and vitriol, cannot defeat the lamb. So God is showing you that his ways are not your ways. He's showing you that there is an ability that he has placed in you that makes you so formidable that no weapon formed against you can prosper. That whenever you go through the waters, they cannot drown you, although they have the ability to drown others. They have the ability to drown others, but not you. When you go through the fires, you can't be burned. What that means is your essence will never be touched. That, 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 that you, will not be, you will not be destroyed by that. I know I've been through life and 
been through some difficulties. Sometimes I felt like an 18-wheeler just smacked me right in the middle of my life's road. And I was down in, on the pavement of life, as it were, but I found myself being so resilient. I found myself getting up and, and returning to my original form. You see, I, I, like you, have gone through trials and difficulties that I thought, certainly this is the one. Certainly this is the one. I, I'm going to mess up this one. I'm going to be knocked out, totally knocked out of the ring. And boy, when that thing hits you and you think, I can't survive, I can't survive, and you find yourself surviving it, you say, whoa, God, that's your life. That's my life. I know it's your life too. There have been times when you have wanted to give up. You have felt like, I'm giving up this time. This is too big for me. This is just flat too big for me. And you feel like you can't make it. And while you're muttering and muttering and making plans, all of a sudden you realize, oh, you're not as flat as you thought. This is amazing. This is the way God ministers to us. This is who he is. And he says that, that and those who are called with him are as he is. You'll find in Scripture, when the Scripture talks about, especially in the Old Covenant, talks about the Father, and then in the New Covenant, it, the Scripture talks about uh, Jesus in the same terminology, in the same verbiage that the Old Testament talks about God the Father. And then you find that in most cases, in a great number of cases, almost all, what the Scripture says about Jesus, it's, uh, the Scriptures say about his people. Now notice here, uh, he defeats those who come against them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him. There are some people who are with him, and they are called chosen and faithful. So they are with him. No, no, we're not doing the punching, but we're with him. As he appears, and, and he destroys them with the brightness of his coming, and with the word of his mouth. He doesn't throw a punch. That's amazing. And we are with him. And the scripture says in, in chapter 19, verse 16, Revelation 19, 16, it says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. King of kings and Lord of lords. This lamb is king of kings and Lord of lords. You know, now, when you look at the world system and you look at how it is, sometimes we get tired and sometimes we think, oh, this system is so formidable, I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. Now, I would like to say to you, if you like the world system, there's something really wrong. You don't have to try to destroy it, but if there's something really wrong, if you like it, if you're helping to prop it up. Now, I'm very careful about not propping it up. I pray for those who are part of it that they might come to Jesus, but I don't prop it up. And I've, I've warned you guys so many times, you brothers and sisters, so many times about propping up what God is destroying. Be careful. And I always say truth never takes sides. Yeah, you're, the, you're, you're of the truth. The Bible says that you are the pillar and ground of the truth. So don't take sides. Here's what this means. This title that is applied to God the Father uh, is now applied to Jesus. And so Jesus uh, justly claims the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he is very God. He is God of very God, and he lives in you. And when he says that, that uh, his immortal immortality here that, that, that God has means he is not subject to death. Okay, he is not subject to death. You and I in our bodies are subject to death. Man is subject to death, but God is not. 
Only God has immortality. God has immortality as an essential and inherent part of who he is. It's inherent in him. He doesn't have to find it. He, that's him. He is the life. He is immortal, invisible. He is all-powerful. Now, now I'm going, he's telling, Paul is telling Timothy these things because he wants to, to fortify him against what's coming against him. He wants to fortify him with the word, and he wants to fortify him in the word. God is life and life giver. He is incorruptible and not subject to decay or change. In this life, all of us have mortal bodies. We, right now, you have mortal bodies. And when we talk about the power of God on your behalf, we have to consider the mortal body. Because the mortal body will die. But you will never die. It's, you know, if, if, if a tornado comes, go ahead and give the Lord some glory. Go ahead. But if a tornado should come against you, a tornado should come against you, come against your house, it will come against your house and, uh, and destroy your house. But you fled, you, you left. And so that's what happens to us at death. God is immortal. We are not. When Christ returns, you and I will share in his immortality. Now, the thing that blesses me about sharing in his immortality is because we're going to live forever with God or without God, because we were made to live forever. So then those of us who want God in this life, we want God in this life, we will live forever with God in the very presence of God. Those of us who don't want God, we will live without him. That's such a frightening thought for me. And so I don't want anyone to die without the Lord. I don't want anyone to die without the Lord. I don't want anyone to die without the Lord, not even my worst enemy, because those who, in this life who shun God, they don't want God. They don't want him. We don't, I don't want you. They live, some of them are 70, 80 years old and haven't learned a thing. You know, saying they're atheists or, oh, I don't want God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. You're about to cross over into death and you don't believe in God. That's the craziest thing. Craziest thing. But we need to pray for those kinds of people. We don't say, well, but you're going to but, but just go to hell then. We don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> we pray for them. We pray for them because, because, because God loves them. Because once they die, they will have what they've always wanted. They will have an eternity without God. I don't want that. I told the church maybe a couple of times now, and I tell you this story. Uh, don't, don't assume anything when I tell you this story about me. But um, maybe seven, eight days ago or something like that now, uh, I, I was awakened by the Holy Spirit. I, he awoke me not to pray. When he awoke me, I was praying. And I was praying so powerfully for the president. I was, I've never prayed for him that way, nor any president that way. I was interceding like, like I was, a, 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 I, I was like I was almost dying, or I was rescuing somebody from death, and, and I was interceding, and I was praying for him, and I was praying for him. Now, now why do I tell you that? Why did I tell you that? I tell you that because I, I want you to look at something. I'm not anti-president, but, but, but it's, it's difficult sometimes for me to just pray 
for him like I would pray for one of you. I'm just going to be straight up. I, ha I, I, I do pray, but, but I have to say, okay, pray. You know, be, be, now, I'm, it's not a political thing. It's a moral thing for me. It's a moral thing for me. And so, but I'm praying for him like he is my child, like he is my wife, like, like he is one of you. And I'm praying, praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. And in the middle of my praying, I'm loving him. That's who I am. I'm just telling you who I am. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. And I'm praying for him. And I saw the love of God. Not the love of God because, but the love of God to him. Just loved him. And this, I was praying for his soul. And I was praying that, 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 that he would be right before God and that God would do these great things. And, and I was praying and I was praying and I saw the love of God. It's an amazing thing, the love of God. God's love extends to every person on this planet. As the song says, eight billion, eight billion. That's the love of God. And you and I need to be faithful to the love of God. This is what he's saying to Timothy. This is what he's saying to Timothy. We're going to share in this amazing immortality. We, ought to, we have to share in it now. We can't take sides. We have to pray like God prays, believe like God believes. And I saw, in, in, in like a flash of a vision, I wasn't trying to see anything, but I saw four secret servicemen, maybe five, holding him up like this. He was, he was like flat. They were holding him. And I was praying for his soul and for his life. I'm praying for him. Can you do that? That's how we ought to pray for each other. That's how we ought. It doesn't matter if that person hurt me. I don't want the, the person who hurt me to go to hell. I want the person, I don't, it, I don't want just people who like me and don't like me to be in heaven. I want everybody. This is how Paul is talking here. Paul explained all these truths to Timothy, encouraging him to fight the good fight of faith and not to give up. I'm saying to you, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm not speaking of a political agenda. I'm just saying, don't give up. I'm saying, don't give up. Don't give up trusting God. Don't give up believing God. And don't give up doing right things and being just and, and being fair-minded and, and being good and being loving. Don't give up. Even if somebody doesn't love you back, you love them still. Don't give up. That's what it means to be a believer. So he's telling Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. And do not fear life because God is the ruler of life. He said, don't fear death because God will share his immortality with us. Because Jesus has already given you resurrection life. And you should want everyone to have that resurrection life. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 10. He talks to Timothy continuously. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. What does he mean? Sometimes I think, especially when you're young, sometimes we, we want to be ashamed to be a Christian. Young people, don't be ashamed to be a Christian. Don't be ashamed. I have, I have intermittently been ashamed. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you can't raise your hand, but I can raise mine. I was in a particular situation that I didn't want them to know. But I'm over that. Are you there? I'm over that. 
And so he says here, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Jesus Christ, the one who saved you, died, hung on a cross, nailed to it, naked. Don't be ashamed that your Savior was a naked man exposed to the whole world, the whole universe, dying for you. He said, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So share with me what? In the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So what he says to him, Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who live godly will suffer. So share with me in these sufferings. Share with me in these sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us. Wow. He saved us by his own volition and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which were given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amen. Wow. What has he done? He has saved us and he has called us. So the call of God went out to you and he called your name. Vincent! Vince! Jennifer! Raul! Susie! Stan! Marvin! Martha, Susan, Susan, call. And so, like Peter, when he says, Jesus, if that's you walking on this water, tell me to come. Come. He got out of the boat and he started to walk on the impossible. And when you know you're calling, you will walk on the impossible. There is no, no weapon can stop you. You will walk on the impossible. I preach like I do because there's a purpose of God. He wants the church to rise. He wants the church to be the church he died for because this is, I believe, the last great thing we'll see is a church rising up devoid of the crazy stuff in the head. I'm not angry with you. I'm just excited. I'm excited. That's the church that Jesus died for. He died for a glorious church, a victorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle. And it's not about you. Wow. Not about you. But he says this uh, Christ has been revealed, or this, the will of God, the purpose of God, the grace of God has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality the light through the gospel. Wow. So God has chosen people to live with him forever. Amen. I believe it. Do I believe it because I want to believe it and I'm believing something that's not true? No. I believe this because there's someone inside me now who witnesses to the truth. In his voice, I hear and I believe and trust. I believe in trust. So when difficulties come, I've not thrown in the towel because I believe what he said. You, do you believe what he said about you? I'm reading what he has said about you. I'm reading that he says that when you go through the fires, you won't be burned. 
I, I'm reading what he says about you, that, that always you are triumphant. In everything that's tried to destroy you, it has not been able to destroy you. All of the problems that you've had with your head and others. Because if you've had problems with others, you've had problems with your head. If you're going to blame others, blame also your head. Because if your heart, if you were being led by the Spirit of God, you would go in the opposite direction of your natural proclivities or your natural leanings. Hallelujah, somebody. So Jesus has brought immortality to light. And I want you to know that inside each of these earthen vessels that I see, there is immortality. That's a mystery to me. How immortality can be inside these perishable vessels. Let me hurry on. In 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, you, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, Thaumastos. Thaumastos, to be looked at with wonder and amazement. His light is to be looked at with wonder and amazement. I see his light even now. I see the light of God in my spirit, man, and I'm amazed. I was listening to some sermons, I preached messages a decade, decade and a half ago, and there's one word that seems like it's in every sermon. Amazing. I listen to him, I'm embarrassed when others around think, God, like that's the only word I knew, only superlative, only a word to describe. Amazing. I would go, boy, that's amazing. I mean, I don't know why I didn't say, boy, that's marvelous, or boy, that's astounding. You know, but I go, amazing, amazing. I was preaching in Switzerland once, and I, I said amazing so much, I said, whoa, that's, they said, amazing. But he's amazing. He's amazing. Pause. Peter says, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. I mean, Paul rather says that. He alone has immortality, dwelling in approachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom beyond in glory and everlasting power, and what, what we said is the vehicle Christ takes you there. So, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll be almost done. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, Paul says in a very emphatic way, he talks about our final victory. And I want you to understand that we are presently victorious, but when this thing crescendos, there will never have been anything like it in creation. When this thing crescendos and the sons of God are revealed in majesty just like their Savior, this is powerful. So he's, Paul is telling Timothy, go on, you can do it. Si se puede, si se puede, si se puede. You can do it, man. That's muy posible, that's muy posible. Keep doing it. It's possible, it's possible. Keep doing it. That's what he's saying to him. Now listen to what Paul says. Bear with me for a few minutes. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Therefore, 
we shall all be changed. We shall all be made different. He says, behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. You see, flesh and blood cannot inherit this kingdom. Corruption can't uh, inherit in corruption. But you're going to be, you have to be changed. He said, you got to be changed. One day you're going to be changed. One day you will be immortal, never to be mortal again. You, you will be impervious to pain. You'll never have pain. You'll never have to cry. You'll be full of God. Inside and outside. God everywhere. No vestige of sin. No vestige of rebellion. Not your own thoughts and craziness anymore. He says, he said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. No, we shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, incapable of decay. They will be raised immortal. He says, there will be a, a trumpet coming from heaven. Boom! And he said, and before you can blink your eye, you'll hear the sound, and before you can blink the eye, you will be changed. He says, keep going, Timothy. Don't let these problems bother you, Timothy. He says, for this corruptible, this stuff that's perishable, this stuff that is subject to decay, must put on incorruption. That which is not able to, be, to decay. And this mortal, this one that is subject to death, this mortal that has a limited self-life, shelf life, must, be, must put on immortality. It must put on deathlessness. This mortal must put on deathlessness. It must put on unlimited shelf life. Unlimited. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal, this one that's subject to death in the body, has put on immortality, has put on deathlessness, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. This is what we are called to. We're not called to argue, fuss, take positions about stuff in the world system. I say it again. We're not called to that. If, you're not call, if God didn't call you to that, why are you participating in that? Do your thing, do what God tells you to do about it, and then move on. Because you're called to something greater. You're called to be forever a dwelling place of God. God has called a number of people. He has predetermined. He has called them to give his immortality to. And at some juncture in life, he says, we will be immortal ones. We will have a, a life that is indestructible, just like his. And so he says, then shall be brought to pass. So when this corruptible, when the trumpet is sounded, and this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal uh, has put on immortality, deathlessness, then shall be brought to pass the saying, 
that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Then Paul begins to quote scripture. He says, oh, death, where's your sting? Hades, where's your victory? And he explains it. He said, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. So the law could never change. And we'll have a few believers who want to go back to the law. Nobody ever kept the law but Jesus. And the law has been fulfilled for you in Christ. And what the law did was told us we were sinners. The one reason, the reason Jesus died, of course he came to die, but he died because he died for us as us. So the law says you must die. And Paul tells us, I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. And listen to what he says, oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what that literally means is, but thanks be to God who keeps on giving us the victory. Now and forever, now forever we will have victory. And he says, lastly, therefore, my beloved brethren, as a result of what I've just said, as a result of what I've just preached, be steadfast. Be immovable. Be immovable from what you know. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing, knowing, not wondering and doubting, but knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not wasted. So I end with this word, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the, his spirit. So his spirit gives us an idea of the goodness of God. The Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. And what does that mean for you and me, brother? This is what it means. It means that you and I are going to go live with God one day. All of this stuff's going to be over. There's nothing on earth that compares. It'll be greater than my amazing. It will be greater than marvelous. It will be greater than astounding. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't set your hopes only on things of the earth, but set your hopes in heaven. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let's worship.